well, maybe two weeks into 2024 here, you find yourself like knowing the thing that you're supposed to do and then struggling to do it. Um, Or perhaps you find yourself like in the position where you know there's some patterns and things that are like not particularly helpful to you, but you find yourself sort of going back and finding ways to like rediscover how unpredictable unproductive those things are. And if that's you, uh, welcome, and you are not alone. I think one of the, the big lies we tell ourselves when we come into a room like this is that we're the only one that doesn't have it figured out, right? Everyone else around me, they, like, they, look, they look like they're very content. They look very well. Uh, they look like they're probably not anxious, that they just heard Paul's words, and we're like, well, I don't really have struggles of any kind. I have, life is just coming at me. And, and we, have to, we have to take the, the time to sort of move past the, the, the battle that's happening in our minds. Um, and that's why we've done this series, Thought Life. This, this idea of thinking about the things we think about. Last week we began by suggesting that our life is moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Which is, um, which is a provocative statement. It's a bit of a scary statement. And, and then, and then like, where those things may be coming from are some things that were like, learned and formed in us a long time ago. Um, and that the pattern of this world is to just like, stay busy and don't think about that stuff and like, share some articles about mental health, sure, and like, normalize some conversations about mental health and don't think it's weird to like, need a counselor. That, no one's saying that, but, but like, to really slow down and to, to make that call, right? To, to take those steps, to say, hey, there's some things I'm thinking about that are stirring up some things in me. Like, that's a whole different thing than, than the, the, the pattern of this world or the ways that we're often rewarded in this world to, like, keep grinding, keep going, like, pretend, pretend that nothing's happening. So um, the problem with that is, of course, the storms of life. We, remember Tuesday, we, were so, you, we, we had this rain that probably impacted you in some way. Like, it, it was just the kind of rain that if it was snow, it would have been beautiful. We would have had one of those great Baltimore days where, like, neighbors are helping neighbors shovel out and put out their lawn chairs and say, not my, you're not going to get this parking spot, and maybe we'll have one of those days soon. But, like, instead we just had this gross rain, which found its way into your windows, it found its way into your basements, it found its way, because that's, like, what, wa- it's what water do, right? Like, it just has this way of, like, finding the, the weak spots, the open gaps, right? So, so when I was walking around in the days that follow, I was kind of thinking about this idea um, that was introduced to me by someone else. Uh, the idea of the difference between ruts and trenches. Right? Ruts you experience all the time in the city of Baltimore, but if you drive. Like just these, these parts of the highway or the roads that find themselves in some sort of state of disrepair, which is Seemingly every road, right? <laughs> like in some form or fashion. Um, typically, like where do ruts come from? Well, they come from lots of places, but if we were just speaking in the generalities of 50,000 feet, you know, the overuse, you know, the, the, the carrying more burden than, than a particular thing can hold or, or perhaps some kind of earthquake event, like maybe like literally an earthquake, but some kind of damage um, uh, you know, in reality, when those things come up, when those ruts happen, there's, they're, they're difficult to see. 
Sometimes there's a thing below the surface that's causing the issue. So, so even patching the thing up top doesn't really deal with the thing below the surface. And, and then as I mentioned, this idea of patching, like oftentimes, and this is where a lot of us live in, if we're in Baltimore City, is, is there's, there's patchwork done to sort of correct these things. But, but the reality is there's a bigger infrastructure question that has to be addressed for it to really go away and no longer be a problem. And of course we know this if we had to like deal with suspensions or we've hydroplaned in some way, like a rut can be a really dangerous thing. It can be to you who step into that hole and then have to deal with a torn ligament in your ankle. It could be you who find your car careening towards another car because of the thing that you've hit, or, or even just in our own story, like something that we run into a guardrail. Like, that's the idea behind ruts. They're, 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 they're quite damaging to us. And in, in, in a storm like the one we had on Tuesday, you can walk around the neighborhood and sort of see where the storm has like left things pulled up and, 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 and in disrepair. Okay? But then there's also trenches. Like there's trenches that are also messy. They're me- it's messy to dig a trench. It's messy to, to do trench work. But, but some of you who are in maybe trying to repair something at your home or, or perhaps you're, you're farming or perhaps you're doing some sort of commercial real estate, you would know that, that sometimes you have to dig some pathways that will help the surrounding ecosystem like not be as inversely impacted by the storms that come, right? There's, there's these trenches, these strategic holes that we dig to sort of direct the inclement things to a place where they can be filed and directed in a way that doesn't bring up nonsense in your basement, that doesn't bring damage to your car, that doesn't bring damage to you. And we're posing the question in this particular session of our series today, what if, what, if, what if the work, you know, we cannot, we've said this last week and we'll say it throughout the series, like the thing that we cannot be insulated from as followers of Jesus or not followers of Jesus is anxious thoughts. They're going to come. Life's going to happen. There are difficult things that we're going to face. There's maybe a storm that we're coming out of that we're trying to process the reality of. There's maybe something coming to us this week that we won't necessarily expect. I don't mean to be a downer, like, but just like that's just reality. And, and then how do we intentionally, though messy, dig some trenches of truth when in our mind, if your thought life looked anything like mine, and if you do that thought inventory that I did this week, you find yourself struggling to linger on the positive things that happen, but just playing over and over and over everything you wish you had said differently, playing over and over and over everything that you are worried a person might think based on something that you said. And boy, oh boy, doesn't it, doesn't it seem like, like ruminating ruts are where we often find ourselves. But, but the invitation of Philippians chapter 4 is to, is, to, is to point and direct in the process of enduring storms to a better way. The, the way that actually produces some kind of peace. And, and listen, I don't know if you heard the verses that... Katie just read for us and had us read together, which is beautiful to hear us all speaking words of life over each other. I think some of us hear that, and if we're hearing it for the first time, 
we kind of have a reaction, perhaps, that's like, man, that's a really good practical verse. I mean, when was that written? Was that written at the end of 2023? I mean, that, that's a good word. Like, slap that on a coffee cup. You know, market that. Like, start a podcast or something, Paul. Like, that's really good stuff. And then others of us, others of us, we hear that verse and we're like, that's cute. Boy, that's cute, isn't it? Isn't it cute that, like, Paul's saying, don't be anxious? Must have been easy when you didn't have indoor plumbing or, you know, stuff coming up in your basement or, you know, the car hit something this week that I have to now get fixed, you know. Like, it, it, it must be that, like, Paul just didn't understand, like, how complicated life can be in 2024. So, like, it's cute, Paul, but no thank you. Like, this, I'll, I'll, I'll chalk this up to when my dad said, stop crying, Right? I'll chalk this up to when someone's like, I, well, I'm, I'm afraid. And someone said, well, well stop it. <laughs> don't be afraid. Oh, cool. Yeah, thanks for that, Paul. Right? I don't know where this lands for you, but I want us to begin in our few minutes today to see the beautiful invitation of this passage. I'll begin by just giving us, before we read it again, some context that you may find helpful. And, and if you're not familiar with the book of Philippians, first, first it may be helpful for you to know that, that life is not coming up roses for our friend Paul at this point in his journey. He's on house arrest, um, which is not even, I'm not saying house arrest is a particularly pleasant thing for anybody, but like he's living in a space where, where he's going to be released or die maybe any day, right? Like that's, that's just kind of the essence of living in the Roman Empire. So there is an uncertainty of circumstance that Paul's dealing with. Now, here's something that's complicating that, and you may or may not know this. Other times in the life of Paul, he's been in situations like this, but he's gotten out of it. Like, there's this moment recorded in the book of Acts where, like, he and his boys are, like, singing songs and, like, gates open up. So I got to believe that Paul at one point in time is like, well, what if I, like, hum a little tune here? Maybe I can do the Jedi mind trick on these prison guards and, and people that are, like, observing me on house arrest. And maybe I can just walk out of here. And then that doesn't work, right? So then what else? You're going to be here for a while? Grab a Snickers. Like, I, you're not going anywhere. The thing that you did before doesn't work. And has that happened for you before? Like, hey, the last time this came up, the last time I tried this, the last time we had an argument like this, we were able to sit down and talk about it and sort it all out. But this time, it seems to be more of a thing. <laughs> you know, like, you know that tension. And that's where Paul is here. And unless you think that Paul is just an ancient contemplative who just loves to just say these deserty kind of whimsical things that like don't practically meet your grind like Paul is a go-getter right Paul traveled 10,000 miles in missionary journeys in the first century which is not not the amenities of our you know Amtrak Northeast Regional like it is you know where the wi-fi is 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 is, is complimentary and the coffee is meh you know but you but it gets the job done like this is this is this is like Paul's a guy that is, he's one of those guys that struggles to sit down, right? Like if you can just see it in his writing. There's always something going on. There's always a place he wants to go. There's always a thing. He's a visionary leader. And so you, who may be a visionary leader, how well do you stop? How well do you slow down? How well do you do nothing? Probably not particularly well. So not only is there, like, here's the things I want to do, but then here's the, the practical, like, stirring in me, which is an anxious stirring, to say, I'm not getting the thing done. I didn't get anything done that I'm trying to get done. And that's our friend Paul. 
Right? That's helpful for the context of understanding the words and the invitation of this passage. I think it's also good, and I'll say this last bit of context before I read it again to you, that Paul's writing a letter to a community of people. So Paul's not preaching some sort of like self-help seminar. Um, Paul is talking to a collective community that cares deeply for him and that he cares deeply for. So I think the communal aspect of something that we'll talk about here in our few minutes today and then will be a real highlight of our, our time together next week. If we think about what it means to be a healing community to one another. So here it is. Let's hear it again. Let's let these words wash over us one more time. This time I'll just read them over you. In light of the things that you may now know about Paul that you maybe didn't know before, consider these words. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So let's consider what Paul is actually asking us to consider. And not just our baseline, that's cool, cute verse, that's stupid, not practical in 2024. What's Paul actually inviting us to consider? To begin, I think Paul's inviting us to actually slow down for a minute and, and think about the anxieties that are being exposed in our anythings. I already told you once, but I'll say it again just in case you maybe felt it even the second time. Paul's not just saying to you, hey, stop being anxious. Knock it off. Hey, stop crying. Hey, why do you feel nauseous? Stop it. Knock it off. Knock it off. What he's actually inviting us to do in a larger conversation is to process the anxiety that we feel. Where is it coming from? Where is it going? You know, this word anxious in the Greek refers to the idea of being pulled in different directions. Have you ever felt pulled in different directions over the course of the past seven days? I think about what Chelsea said on the video there when she was talking about the, the J-term class. As a parent, I frequently, in one hand, want my kids to behave and stop fighting and knock it off. And on the other hand, I might say to myself, boy, could I say that in a way that doesn't, um, that doesn't make them not want to follow Jesus or doesn't make them, like, ha I mean, like, that doesn't do damage. That doesn't do damage. Because some of us grew up in situations where, like, those, those things were not, you know, like, you know, you're going to behave or else there's going to be damage. So, so to think for a minute about the areas where we feel pulled and divided, right? We may know, for example, I'll use another kid analogy, right? Like, hey, we want our kids to be successful and love their sports. And at the same time, we may, we may feel just the overwhelming sense of, like, sports again, more travel, more nonsense, more whatever, you know, like, in, in our interpersonal relationships, we may feel like, I want there to be peace in these relationships, but at the same time, like, I can't not say this thing that I feel like I need to say, you know, like, we feel divided in all kinds of spaces. You feel divided at work, sometimes literally, the one person wants it one way and another person wants it another way, like, but, but do we think about it? Are we paying attention 
to, to that stirring in us, or are we just waiting for it to spill over? We're waiting for it to spill over um, our anger, our anxiety, our, our fear, our, our joy. Or are we just letting the, uh, the earthquake event or the trigger sort of set us off and set us like into a motion of spiral? And this is what Paul's inviting us to consider. Look at the areas where you do feel divided. Have an awareness because the way of Jesus is pointing us towards oneness. It's pointing us towards a holistic picture of healing. It's, 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 not, it's not a situation where, where we're supposed to just like stay in this. And like I said last week, like the pattern of the world, I would submit to you, and this is opinion, this, I wouldn't call this fact, I think, is that we are more conversant about things like anxiety. We are more conversant about things like depression, but I wonder, we're very good at sharing TED Talks and YouTube inspirational people, but I don't know that we're really good at slowing down our life and actually paying attention to where these things are creeping up in us and where these things are creeping up around us and what, what things may be triggering that. And, so, and this is the challenge of this particular issue. I think this complicates it, is our brains have been from a very early age like carving out pathways for like this is how you survive in this place. This is how you survive in this ecosystem. This is how you survive in this world. This is how you survive in this family. This is how you survive in this church. This is how you survive in this work job. Work job, yeah. Your job, your work, yeah. This is how you survive at school. You know, you, you got nervous and you peed your pants when you like had to speak in fifth grade. So now you're just going to avoid speaking into microphones because at some point in time your brain like internalized that that was a dangerous thing to have to do it wasn't just scary it was dangerous it was embarrassing which leads us to the second piece of what paul's inviting us to consider the the solutions that we've internalized now you say scott where does paul say the solutions we've internalized here i think we have to pull the camera back and look at paul's writing in total one of the paul writes a lot of what we call the new testament these 27 books that comprise like how we live in response to the way of Jesus. Paul writes a lot of them, and a lot of them are written to um, people figuring out, what do we do with this resurrection thing? What do we do with this forgiveness thing? And a recurring theme for Paul is like this idea of the new self. The idea that like the way of Jesus is leading us to this is the whole thing about last week. We said with the renewal of our minds. Be don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't conform to the way of Philippi and the way of the Roman Empire. But be transformed by how the way of Jesus is freeing us to see things differently. In another writing in Colossians, he'll, he'll, he'll compare like, like a pair of clothes that you put on. right? If you've been forgiven because... You know, like, why would you go back to these old patterns? Well, we'll talk about this for, for a minute, because Paul doesn't have, like, neuroscience probably top of mind. But, like, there are some internalized processes our brains have used to kind of figure out the world and to, to, to survive an environment. But, but Paul's invitation is to thrive. Right? So he says, okay, just in the same way, if you cleaned out the gunk out of your basement this week and you got, like, sewage on you, and you get clean, you probably don't go back to put on those old shoes. You're not eager to put on those Adidas shorts again. But they're my favorite shorts. Well, now they have poo water on them. So you probably you got to do something else on them first, right? you got to clean them or something. But what will frequently happen in our spirit is we'll get baptized, we'll receive Jesus, we'll say, hey, I'm a Christian now. 
we want to try to change our behaviors, but we, don't, but we don't slow down to deal with the ecosystem of like, man, what, what do we have to unlearn or learn or relearn as, as far as what it means to let the love of God dwell in us? To put on, to choose these clothes over here when like the old patterns, the old ways of our brain sort of functioning are like, yeah, but this is how you're supposed to do it. Remember, you're supposed to turn right here. You know, there's things that you do this morning and have done this morning without even thinking about them. Because your brain's like pretty adept at going, well, this is how you process and survive in this place. This is how you parallel park or don't, (laughs) you know? What, what, and then what complicates this even more is the reaction of, like, what the role dopamine plays in all of this. Like, which, right, I'm not trying to be your armchair neurosurgeon or whatever. But just, but there, like, there's, like, this reality of, of, of there's also a thing happening in our brain that's, like, sort of, like, wants to be happy. Wants to be at peace. Wants to feel good. So, like, this will be why we do things like continue to look at our phone because it's stimulating us, it's sparking us to like think like, oh, here's a thing. And why we might take it into the bathroom even though we know like that's kind of gross. But we do like, like, like because there's something firing in us. But here's what Paul's inviting us to do. Again, this is all guised in a bigger conversation of not pray and read the Bible and boy, will all of your anxiety drift away. That's not what Paul is saying. What Paul is saying is, let's look at the solutions we've internalized, the places that we are anxious, are anythings, and point to, point to a peace of God which can transcend all of our understanding. Did you catch that? Like the understanding about how the world works, the understanding about Philippi and how things are supposed to go down there, the way that you've internalized, well, this is how you survive here. The places where your mind is going, I'm not sure I'm safe here, even though you're safe, maybe, in that environment. And the thing that's like piping around up in there. This, this is illustrated very, um, in a very easy way uh, with, a, with a thing that went really viral and like set the world ablaze in the world of marketing and advertising in 1929. Now, I want to warn you, it's a bit provocative. There it is. It was revolutionary. Rene Magritte. Like, he... He was a real, real provocateur, but I assure you, this created quite a stir. Now, now, for those of you who don't speak French, as I do not, what this says is, this is not a pipe. That was revolutionary. Why was it revolutionary? Because it wasn't an advertisement for Scott and Caro's brand pipe tobacco, where the where the puff is clean and dreams come true. Like, it, it, because it's a brain teaser, essentially. It's a brain teaser because, like, you see it and it says, this is not a pipe. And you're like, wait, what? It is a pipe. And maybe someone's doubling down and going, no, that's a pipe. That's a pipe. It's a brain teaser because it's not a pipe. It's a picture of a pipe. And that's a different thing. Ha <laughs> ha! Look at that. I mean, there were big things happening in the world in 1929, but this was a thing people thought about. Like, this was a thing that, like, stoked people to be like, whoa, that's different. But it's, an, it's a marker for, I think, this exercise. There's an internalized response when you see it, like, wait, what? No, that's a pipe. But it's calling you to say, no, wait, there's a, there's a greater truth, which is it's not. It's a picture of a pipe. And, and the real thing, as it 
as the advertisement would point us to, the real thing is so much better than a picture. That's the big T truth. It's trying to, to drop on us. And this is what Paul is inviting us to consider. The processes that help us process towards truth. What processes will help us process towards truth? So you, in your life, in your family of origin, in your adverse childhood experiences, in the ways in which you escape with dopamine right now, the bad things you don't want to feel, you've like figured out some processes, but do they, do they point towards big T truth? Are they little truths that you've just adopted to sort of survive in the world? Bo Lotto says in his book, Deviate, if you attack a problem with the wrong assumption, there's nowhere to go but deeper into that assumption, whether you know you're getting further from the truth or not. This is why you can present articles and facts to people, and they, in the name of doing their own research, may be far down a rabbit hole that, like, your words of wisdom and well-versed, peer-reviewed studies are not landing the plane, right? Because if you go down a rabbit hill of like, these are the assumptions I'm coming to the table with, and, I'm all, and this information you're giving me is only doubling me further down that road of assumption, right? Like, this is why some of us may live in a space where like, it's just impossible to overcome an addiction, it's impossible to feel close to God. Nobody's ever going to love me. I'll never have a meaningful job. I'll always struggle with my mental health. I'll never get out of debt. Or whatever else we may have internalized. There's a bunch of little truths that are, that are pinging around up here going, yeah, that's right, that's right. You are terrible with money. Remember in fifth grade? You, I mean, you blew that tooth fairy allowance. You used it all at Chuck E. Cheese. You didn't get dessert. You know, like you like see, and then there was this thing, and then there's this other thing, and, there's, and you can just spiral into these periods of assumptions. As opposed to saying, hey, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And it might be really hard, and it might be really complicated, and it might not be easy, and it may not be short, but is freedom possible in this particular area of our life? I don't want to whitewash this or make it sound pretty, right? This is, our brains are awesome in the sense of there's this thing called neuroplasticity that some of you could talk more about than I can where like like our brains are capable of thinking about different things and and re being redirected and rewired past these old ways of thinking it is possible but it's also complicated by our trauma it's also complicated by the difficulties we've experienced. It's also complicated by just the things that we do to sort of get a short-term hit and in the sense of like, I just, I want to escape the difficult thing. But what Paul's inviting us to do here with prayer and petition and thanksgiving is to, is to create an ecosystem. This is the whole essence of neuroplasticity. It's possible. It's very possible to, to rewire our brains, but there's an ecosystem and an environment by which that will actually happen better. And that's what Paul's talking us to here. When you think about spiritual disciplines, and we're going to talk about this one week in our series, we're not just talking about check boxes that good Christians do. We're really talking about people that are creating some space in our life to think on and dwell on what Paul talks about here in verse 8, right? Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if it's excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I mean, there was a time when I was 16 that I was like, do I listen to Rage Against the Machine or not? 
because I'm angry, but I don't know what I'm angry about, because I'm 16, and I'm just angry, right? Like, and I'm like, that kind of, that kind of, like, I, I want to hear that, and I, I hear that, I'm like, want to run through a wall. Like, I'm, I'm going to go get them, right? Like, motivation for soccer. It's easy to reduce this just to conversations about content, but I really want us to think in a bigger picture, right? Is there a conversation about content? Sure, but like, I, I, I would move it, if we're going to talk from the, the frame of content, let me say, submit it to you this way. Like, early in COVID, when we were like, hey, it's just going to be a couple weeks off. Everyone sit down and, like, just clean their closets and enjoy. I was like, well, Paul's going to catch up on his stories. Paul's been hearing about, I'm going to stop rewatching The Office on autopilot, and I'm going to watch some shows that I've been meaning to get to because they're critically acclaimed. And oh, by the way, they're all, like, weird anti-hero, like, dark soul kind of stuff. And, and I don't know what your world looked like in March to April of 2020, but like I was getting enough glimpses of the darkness of the human condition. So I'd sit down to watch these shows, and I'm like, this is just, this is not escape, and this is not entertain. It's well written, but like my soul can't handle it. Like, I, like it's not the content, it's not the, the language, though certainly, you know, maybe there's something to be said for those things in other spaces too. Like in that moment, at that time, just in that context, I was like, okay, I'm back to like re-watching The Office. Because I just need, because I don't need more brooding on how dark and unsavory the mankind's condition is. I don't need more reminders of how much we hate each other on a primal level. <laughs> Because I'm seeing it, I'm living it. So think about your environments for a moment, right? Like you go through meetings and meetings and more meetings and then more meetings again where like some of these really negative things that we're like prone to and we drift toward are like reinforced. So what trenches do we need to begin to build in our life where we can think on and dwell on the meaningful things that Paul is, is pointing us toward, to the way of beauty, to the way of truth, to the way of Jesus. Right? I, 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 I'm here for conversations about the, the mindfulness conversation, about emptying our minds. Like That's a good pursuit, particularly for those of us whose minds race in all kinds of different directions. But I wonder if we're not missing a second part which is, what are we redirecting our affections and our stirrings toward? What are we directing those, those that spin? once we've emptied, like, what are we putting back in so that we can go back into those meetings that are going to be on your schedule this week, in those difficult situations that are going to be on your schedule this week? And this is the whole essence of the conversation. How do we dig some trenches of truth when when the world around us is just sort of pushing us into like reinforcing these old patterns. James Clear says it this way, and then we're going to close. The information you consume each day is the soil from which your future thoughts are grown. Right, so what's the soil look like today? Right, and what, what work, what work needs to happen? But, but here's, I, you know, I'll, I'll tell this story and we'll transition to communion through one of my like, one of my like early learned things that fires around up in here is like is the feeling that it's all on me to hold this all together and the this by the way could be a number of things it could be the the great experience on a road trip it could be the church service it, it, and it's not true but but the experiences the wiring up here is sometimes like puts this great pressure on me to be like it's all on you to hold things together 
as a really shadowy side, as you might know. Communion is, is the moment where we, we sort of remind ourselves that we're digging trenches together, that the real work here is a collective work, that, that we are trying to, this is not all on you to just figure out. Do you have an individual role to play in the story? You absolutely do as it relates to your healing. But there's a collective. You're less alone than you feel. But what would it look like for us to not just expect that of an environment like the foundry, but to participate in the creation and curation of it? To do our part to say, hey, what, what if this really was a place where we could bring these heavy and hard things into the light? And that's the essence of what we celebrate in communion, that we're trying to receive this grace and mercy in the midst of our story. But we get up and we mull about the cabin here as also a reminder that we're doing this together. So, so let, let's take this moment to receive the reminder that what Paul is pointing us toward is a greater love than we'll find at the end of a smartphone or at the end of a promotion or at the end of even everything you're worried about working out the way you think it should be done. Paul's premise is that there's a greater love that's conquered sin, that's conquered death, that's conquered empires. But the journey to receive it is a collective one. So may we commit ourselves to receiving that love and extending that love today. I want us to, to pray, and then we'll move to one of these stations. They're all gluten-free stations if you'd like to participate and receive communion today. And then we'll continue to think on the implications of these verses in our life together. God, this is an easier thing to talk about and say out loud and even the big hard words and the big hard concepts than it is to actually receive and live out. It's, it's, it's painful, it's freeing, it's difficult, and it's amazing all at the same time. So Lord, um, as we come to your table, uh, remind us that, that renewal is the work that you've done and is the work that you're continuing to do in and around our story. In the name of Jesus, we pray and partake. Amen.